0: Let us pray. Father, come among us even now by your Spirit, we pray, and draw us to yourself. Fix our eyes upon Jesus. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Well, you may be seated. Good morning again, everyone, both here and those watching from the live via the live stream at home. I'd invite you to take out your Bibles or devices with scripture on them. It has been quite a busy week here at the church despite COVID, despite all the social distancing restrictions, as we have prepared for our virtual VBS, which begins tomorrow and those of you that were here yesterday saw just the many people who came, over 60 families or 60 children have registered for virtual VBS. Many from within All Saints Church, yes, but many from outside of the church as well. And folks came through with social distancing yesterday and picked up their packages, their, their kits with all the activities and other things related to virtual VBS in them. And I just want to take a moment to begin with to express appreciation to Tara Peterson. I know she doesn't like to be in the spotlight, but Tara, you have done a spectacular job under very unusual and difficult circumstances. So thank you. And then thank you to everyone who has helped Tara and worked with her team. Um, Those of you who haven't been inside the church to see the atrium, there is a water tower for the railroad that is about 10 feet tall and a train engine and a ticket station and a railroad crossing. I mean, the whole atrium looks like a a railroad yard, and it's just really cool to see. So um, if you have not been in the building, I'd invite you to take a look on the website. I'm sure there will be pictures coming very soon of all of that. So, and thanks to everyone who built this, the set, and for everyone who's worked behind the scenes to make this possible. Well, we're looking again today at our Old Testament reading, Today's reading is found in Nehemiah chapter 9 verses 16 through 21. A reading that we looked at from 1 Kings chapter 3 and today's reading from Nehemiah record events separated by many years, actually by centuries. And they record very different circumstances in Israel's history. Yet as I studied this Old Testament reading from Nehemiah this week, I saw that 1 Kings chapter 3 and Nehemiah chapter 9 actually complement one another quite well. If you remember last week, we looked at the beginning of King Solomon's reign, how he started out loving the Lord and walking in obedience. But we also, also saw how things really didn't end particularly well for Solomon. And we saw specifically that things didn't end well for Solomon because he allowed things which dishonored God to take root in his life. And two specific things we saw at the beginning of Solomon's reign that bore ungodly fruit later in his life. First was taking foreign wives from Egypt to form political alliances. This mixing of God's people and marriage relationships with those who didn't belong to God. And the second thing we saw with Solomon is that he continued to worship and offer sacrifices at high places. Places set aside for pagan demonic worship. And he mixed that all with his obedience and honor of the Lord, but it it pulled him down. Nehemiah chapter 9 really gives us a picture of the antidote to this kind of thing. Because the focus in Nehemiah chapter 9 is on God's loving kindness and his God's faithful covenant keeping love and grace. This is the setting as Nehemiah chapter 9 opens. Look at verses 1 through 2 of Nehemiah chapter 9 with me. Now, on the 24th day of the month, the people of Israel were assembled with fasting and in sackcloth and with earth on their heads. And the Israelites separated themselves from all foreigners and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. Notice this is exactly the opposite, the converse, of what we saw Solomon doing last week in 1 Kings chapter 3. They stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities, the sins of their fathers. In that confession, that would include Solomon's sins, for he was certainly one of their their fathers, their forefathers. When we look at Nehemiah chapter 9 as a whole, verses 6 through 37, which include our reading from today, all of those verses are a prayer. And each section of this prayer focuses on a particular attribute or characteristic or act of God. And I just want to highlight a few of these leading up to today's reading. I won't go on through verse 37. But in verse 6, you are the Lord, you alone. You made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their hosts, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. And you preserve all of them. Chapter 9, verse 7. You are the Lord. The God who chose Abram and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and gave him the name Abraham. Verse 9. And you saw the affliction of our fathers in Egypt and heard their cry at the Red Sea. Verse 13. You, again, emphasizing God as being central, you came down on Mount Sinai. And then from today's reading, the second part of verse 17 but you are a god ready to forgive gracious and merciful slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love just as we saw in first kings 3 last sunday it is a good thing to recite and to recall god's faithfulness and saving acts in the past because we see this again today in Nehemiah even in these prayers Why is this such an important practice for the child of God, the person who is in a living relationship with the one true God through Jesus Christ? Well, this is critically important because as we recount, as you and I recount and remember God's faithfulness in the lives of his people in the past, and as we recount and remember God's faithfulness in our very own lives in the past, it reframes our perspective It's something that God uses by His Spirit to shape our mold, our thinking. So that our focus is on Him and is on His steadfast covenant-keeping love. So that despite trials and circumstances that we might be facing, in recounting God's faithfulness, it builds us up. It's something that God Himself uses, not positive confession on our part, but it's something that God uses by His Spirit to build us up. And to, and to strengthen us in the Lord and in His mighty power. And it reminds us that we are His people and that the battle that we are in is not ours, that it is the Lord's. And as we understand and perceive and discern these things in ever greater measure, as we do this, as we are, we are built up and we are strengthened, not in our strength, but in the strength of the Lord, which is never diminished, which is never fleeting. So that then, like King David, when he faced the threat of even being stoned in 1 Samuel 30, we can, as David did, strengthen ourselves by God's power in the Lord. Or together with St. Paul in Ephesians 6.1, we can be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. And even as we read this morning in our New Testament reading from Romans, there's nothing... Nothing that can separate us as the children of God from God's love. Israel had been in a really, really bad place. Look at verses 16 through 17. But they and our fathers acted presumptuously and stiffened their neck and did not obey your commands. It's important, I think, to note here in verse 16 that that whole stiffen their neck is the same word that's used to refer to the arrogance of the Egyptians in the Old Testament, and they refused to obey and were not mindful of the wonders that you performed among them. But they stiffened their neck and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a God ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and did not forsake them they stiffened their neck. They did not obey God's commands. They refused to obey and were not mindful of the wonders that the Lord had performed. Again, it sounds very... That portion of things sounds very familiar to what we saw happening in the life of Solomon last week. Where... He chose not to open himself to God rooting out those things in his life and in the lives of his people, in the life of the nation that kept them from full fidelity and obedience to God. And this sets the tone here of what happened in the life of Israel again, even leading up to this passage in Nehemiah. But when we return to the Lord, as we see in verse 17, he is indeed there, When we turn toward the Lord, He's there waiting full of forgiveness. And God is more than willing to, and able to forgive and to restore. We're reminded of this every Sunday when we pray the prayer of humble access in the Eucharist. We do not presume to come to this Your table, O merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness but in your abundant and great mercies. And then continuing a little bit later in that prayer, apart from your grace, did you hear that? Apart from your grace, we are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but but you are the same Lord whose character is always, always to have mercy. Acts chapter 3, verse 19 reminds us, Repent, therefore, meaning turn away from that which is evil, turn toward God. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. With Old Testament Israel, with Solomon, with God's people, Old Testament Israel in the days of Nehemiah, When we repent, when we turn away from those things that are ungodly, what do we find time and time again? God is there, arms open wide in his grace, in his loving kindness, ready to forgive, ready to blot out our sins, to refresh us that times of refreshing may come in the presence of the Lord. Now hear me. That does not mean we go on continuing in sin that God has revealed to us or has begun to convict us of somehow as if, oh, God is gracious, God is loving, it's okay, I'll get around to it later. No, that is is what scripture talks about with trampling the grace of God underfoot. And that will lead to a hardened heart, even as we saw with Solomon. But when we turn, when God speaks to us, and we turn to him and we repent every time, every time he's there, arms open wide, full of grace, full of loving kindness, more than, more than willing, more than able to restore to fullness of life and fellowship with him. You are the same Lord whose character is always Always to have mercy. Think of that every time we pray it at the Eucharist. Always to have mercy. It was a very interesting thing this past Tuesday. Jason, I'm not sure whether Heidi, did she give you that picture of the rainbow or not? You didn't get that. I forgot, I apologize. I dropped the ball. I forgot to check with you. I work typically Tuesday is my sermon prep day here at the church. And I was working late Tuesday because I was taking a few days off this week. And I was at the office last week. It was five or six o'clock. Tara and John were here. And it was pouring down rain. I noticed the sun was shining. And I looked out the window. and, And Tara actually got a picture of this. They were back in the children's wing. And I went and got them to come out back and see with me. I was working on this portion of my sermon. I'm not trying to be sappy. But it was a God moment for me. And I walked out and looked out the double doors here. And framing the entire church property was this huge, full double rainbow. So you had the full bright rainbow from side to side, not a partial, and then above it, not quite as bright, was a whole second rainbow. I thought, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for just sending that in that timing, even as I was working on this portion of my sermon about God, who is always, his character is always to have mercy And the rainbow, which somehow the world has stolen from us and seems to have corrupted. The rainbow is a sign of God's promise. And the rainbow is a God thing, not a carnal, worldly thing. When you see a rainbow, think of God's promises and his eternal, unchanging character and loving kindness. I may see if I can get that picture for next week and I'll show it to you during the announcements because it was it was pretty impressive. It was a bright rainbow. Not only is God able and willing to forgive and restore, as we read on, he also makes provision for us to walk faithfully with him. We never do it in our own strength. We do it by God's provision and the strength of the Lord. Look at verse 20 with me. You gave your good spirit to instruct them and did not withhold your manner from their mouth and gave them water for their thirst. God continued to provide for the physical needs of his Old Testament people, but he also provided for their spiritual needs. He provided the way for them to walk in obedience to him. Again, not through human efforts or human strength, which is fleeting. Rather, he gave them his good spirit. Now understand, in In the Old Testament, God's people, the primary focus because of the pagan cultures around them was on the uniqueness of God as the one true God. Hear, O Israel, hear the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Shema from Deuteronomy 6, 4, the, the most important verse for a faithful Jew because they were surrounded by all these pagan cultures. So there wasn't an understanding yet in the full sense of the Trinity of God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And yet, the Trinity, our triune God, was indeed at work. So, they didn't think necessarily of the Holy Spirit as a, the third person of the Trinity as we do. But what they did understand was that the presence of God equated with the Spirit of God. They understood the Spirit of God because they knew when God was present and they knew when God wasn't present. So when King David prayed, even in Psalm 51, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. When David said that, he was really praying the same thing in two different ways. Cast me not away from your presence. Presence was the Spirit of God himself. And take not your Holy Spirit. Take not your presence from me. When we return to the Lord with all our hearts, he will indeed lead us in his paths. And he will, he will give us his good spirit, the Holy Spirit to guide and direct and order our steps. So that by his grace and his power and the spirit of God himself working in us, we are able by God enabled to walk in faithful obedience to him. It doesn't need to be with us as it was with Solomon at the end of his life that we talked about last week. It doesn't need to be the way it was in Israel leading up to these days in Nehemiah where there was repentance. God calls us time and time again to remember his faithfulness his loving kindness, his covenant-keeping faithfulness. God calls us every moment of every day to turn to him in repentance, even when there's not conscious conviction of sin, but the idea of turning to God in repentance is continuing to more fully and wholly, whole, wholeheartedly turn to the Lord, knowing that he is a God whose character is always to have mercy knowing that he is a God ready to forgive, gracious, merciful, abounding in steadfast love, and that he will restore, and that he will renew, and he will refresh us. And indeed, he will give us in greater measure every day as we yield more fully to him and open our lives more fully to his work. He will indeed give us his good spirit to instruct us and to guide us as we walk in faithful obedience to his will by his grace and power. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your promise that you give your good spirit, your Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit, to instruct us and guide us, to come alongside us, to fill us to be the advocate on our behalf. So Lord, even now, refresh and renew us. God, speak to each of us, beginning with me. Lord, show us those areas of our lives that we need to more fully yield to you. That Lord, those spiritual high places in our lives may be torn down. And true god breathe altars, sacred places, sacred space for worship in our lives may be expanded. So, Lord, that you have all of us and we withhold no part of us from the transforming power of your good spirit that we could be the people and the church you have called us to be walking by your grace and your power and faithfulness and fidelity knowing that you are a God whose character is always to have mercy. And Lord, we thank you for that. We praise your holy name. And we ask these things through Christ our Lord. Amen.